host of The Cell. I invite you to listen to our program every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. I would also like to thank you for listening to Community Radio on WGRN LP 94.1 FM, Columbus. I'd like to welcome our listeners back. I hope everyone had a nice holiday. Thanksgiving went by, and I'm sure everybody had a lot of things to be thankful for. We have two more upcoming holidays, which is Christmas, and I'm sure everybody's excited about that. But we also have New Year's coming up. But one of the biggest resolutions that take place is that I'm not going to smoke. So what we are going to do today is we're going to end up speaking to someone that's going to help you or to help someone within your family to help them to stop smoking. So with that tonight, our guest is Andrew Mon, who is the program manager of Tobacco Prevention and Control Programs for the City of Columbus, Columbus Public Health. Hi, Andrew. Hi, thanks for having me on again, Felice. Uh, grateful for the opportunity to uh, talk and have this conversation tonight. Yeah. I also have with me today uh, my co-host, Mr. Ernest Kelly and Stephanie Thomas. Welcome back. Good, good. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, Andrew, if you don't mind just sharing with our listeners once again what it is, a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do at the Columbus Public Health. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm a college graduate from Ohio University. Um, I'm in about my fourth, uh, in between my fourth and fifth year at the Columbus Public Health Department. I've done everything from restaurant inspections to pool inspections to most recently, my current position is working on a tobacco cessation grant, um, which is geared towards helping youth and um, minority populations get resources that they need for addiction help um, to tobacco and nicotine products. So I've been doing that since about February of this year, I'm almost coming up on my first full year of the grant um, and really enjoying my time doing that. Get to be out in the community a lot, um, providing resources and having discussions with different groups that might need some of the information we have to offer. So, yeah, that, that's a little bit about me. So, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Okay. Hey, Andrew, uh, is there yeah. a smoking ban in Columbus, Ohio? Um, currently, there's the Tobacco 21 law um, that nobody under the age of 21 is legally allowed to purchase tobacco or nicotine products. And most recently, two nights ago, I believe, there was a flavor ban uh, restriction passed by city council. Um, so that is aiming to take away flavored nicotine products um, that are in vapes, um, but that will not be active until 2024. So I wouldn't necessarily call it a smoking ban, but there are some rules and regulations in place to try and uh, limit youth um, getting started or, you know, trying to help youth uh, quit those products. And I've noticed that the uh, legislature is trying to undercut that ban. I don't know if you saw where they yeah. have preemption to that. you have any comments on that? Um, not, not at this time. There's just not really enough information and Yes. Hi, Andrew. Good evening, and thank you so much for joining us or rejoining us on the on the show. Um, yeah. I am. Um, I just had a question, um, just about you know, if for anyone listening, that you know, 
kind of fighting that urge and, and, and really wanting to get motivating to quit smoking, um, what what are some of the resources and or what is the first step for someone and the resources that they must take and what that process looks like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks for the question, Stephanie. I'm glad to be on the show here with you guys tonight. Um, in terms of resources, um, there's a couple of different <clears throat> routes that we kind of steer people towards. I guess I'll start out with the one that is for 18 and over. Um, that is the Ohio Tobacco Quit Line. Uh, their number is 1-800-QUIT-NOW. Um, I'll probably reiterate that a few times throughout. But that process, um, people would sign up for that online or call the number, and they can get linked up with experienced coaches, former smokers, people with great tips and advice on how to start that process. Um, they can possibly even be provided with nicotine replacement therapy. So that would be things like nicotine patches, gum, there are some prescription medications out there that can also help. Um, so that's the Ohio Tobacco Quit Line, 1-800-QUIT-NOW. Um, it's got about a 90% success rate in the city of Columbus. It's very useful. And then we also have one geared towards youth um, called My Life, My Quit. Um, that can be accessed online, um, and that's for 17 and under. Very, very similar. Um, it's all confidential as well. Sometimes youth obviously are uncomfortable maybe expressing some of the things they're going through. It's confidential. They can get on there and get linked up with coaches, um, individuals who know a lot on the topics of tobacco and nicotine addiction and help guide them through there. Um, so those are the two that we push out in the community a lot. We also have programs at Columbus Public Health like Baby and Me Tobacco Free, um, which is geared towards pregnant mothers or new mothers. And one really good selling point of that is if a mother enrolls in that, they can get a year's worth of free diapers. That saves almost 900 to to $1,000 calculated. And it's a really great program, very similar to the other two, um, giving them the tips and advice they need to get through their addiction. And I guess I'll just leave it with, uh, I think when somebody starts that process, it has to be a personal choice. I've done a lot of work in the community, and we're never out there telling somebody to stop smoking today. It's got to be a very personal thing um, because ultimately they're going to be the ones doing it. They need to take the initiative. Um, it's awesome to be able to provide resources, but ultimately it comes down to that individual wanting to quit and making that change for uh, a positive health outcome for themselves. Thank you so much for providing that information. Yeah. Andrew, I want to go back a little bit to this Tobacco yep. 21. How do you get that information out to the school? Various methods. Sometimes we're in the schools. We've actually made a couple of school visits. Right now we're working with a youth group at Columbus South High School on an environmental impact project, which is going to ultimately lead to us cleaning up uh, having some community cleanup days of tobacco and nicotine products that have been littered. So through those methods, um, through different services we offer at Columbus Public Health, we're at, we make sure the kids are educated um, through different means. We make sure that it's understood that it's a law in the city of Columbus, Tobacco 21. Um, and then we also <clears throat> push this with our retailers a lot. We have signs up in over 800 facilities in the city of Columbus. Um, 
retailers, facilities know that that is the law. Um, so I think by advertisement um, and also some in-person education on the dangers of tobacco and nicotine and also some education on the legal side of things, that's how we get that information out to our youth in the city of Columbus. Another question real quick. Yeah. I think that you go out and do you do audits or inspections of some of our retailers? And if you do, you send undercover agents to go in there and try to buy cigarettes. How do, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, so we we do have an undercover buy uh, program. Um, obviously, it tries to remain ex- extremely anonymous, um, but we do store audits where we have individuals enter a facility um, and attempt to purchase tobacco products or nicotine products underage. And then from there, if they do buy that product, there's a series of penalties, uh, fines that that facility may be subject to um, as soon as the first buy attempt is made. And then that can go down the line, increasing in fines two, three different times that somebody might purchase a tobacco product there. Um, So yes, we do have that program. Um, and we do also do store audits to check that they have Tobacco 21 signs up in their stores, normally at the cash registers um, and near tobacco and nicotine products, so that it's very clear what the law is in the city of Columbus. So what are the penalties if they are not in compliance with the laws of the city of Columbus regarding selling to underage? Um, yeah, so I... I don't know if I'm going to have the numbers accurate here, to be honest, but let's just say, for example, if somebody buys a tobacco product one time from a facility, it might be a $500 penalty. If they go back and buy a tobacco product a second time from that facility, it might be a $1,000 fine. Um, So it kind of gradually increases the amount of times. And after, I want to say after three or four times, it is possible that a facility loses their license or or their license becomes um, subject to revocation or suspension. Is there anywhere in Columbus that you can smoke indoors? Um, There are a few different types of facilities that allow that, and there are some different loopholes that places get into. Um, One of those being hookah bars. Hookah bars, they have a variance that's called from the state that they are allowed to smoke in their building um, as long as in most cases as long as the building is not connected to another business um, it must be a standalone business so you see that in hookah bars cigar shops um, sometimes vaping stores a lot of the time those places will have what's called a variance um, so they the state has signed off that they are allowed to smoke indoors either because they were grandfathered in or they have met the requirements of things, as I stated, maybe not being connected, being a standalone business. When you guys are auditing places, where, what areas, if, they, if there is any in Columbus, is your biggest challenges as far as getting people to obey the uh, smoking laws? Um, I don't know if I'm the best person to answer what the, what the highest rate of uh, – non-compliances, but I would imagine um, from my experience, because I, I worked a little bit with the underage buy program um, a couple years back, and I would say probably inner city or very near Columbus 
Um, a lot of times when there are language barriers um, or different <laughs> understandings of public health from different ethnicities, um, that can pose challenges. Yeah, so I don't know if I would say one area is, is worse than another in terms of noncompliance, but we do run into a lot of difficulties with language barriers and just people from all over the world. Columbus is a great diverse spot, um, which also at the same time brings a lot of different understandings of of laws and regulations and public health with it. Yeah, I, I'm glad you said that because Columbus is like an international city. It really is. I never yeah. really thought about uh, foreign nationals here and their smoking, especially from uh, countries that, you know, where tobacco is high. So, yeah, thank you for answering that. Absolutely. Drew, I just had a question. Um, how can I get involved to to help others? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have a bunch of different working groups um, that we're involved in. Um, one that I'm thinking of right now is called... Um, our Youth Tobacco Use Prevention Working Group, uh, YTUP for short. And some of these working groups will have involved citizens um, that might not directly represent a larger organization or, or necessarily represent a health department, but they want to be an advocate for change. Um, a lot of times these people will be um, pretty involved in talking to representatives, city council, um, going from those angles with things. But we do have our, you know, our group of involved citizens that want to see change that might not represent a health department. Um, and they're always welcome to join these working groups. So the best way to get connected with those types of things, I would say, is probably contacting us at the City of Columbus Health Department, um, myself, or anybody on our tobacco prevention team and we would be more than happy to to include somebody in those talks, in those meetings, um, if the, if they really wanted to get involved and be able to distribute resources and information to our community. Awesome. Thank you so much. Excuse me for a minute. We need to take an identification break. Hi, this is Ernest Kelly with the Faith Thomas Foundation. You're listening to The Cell on 94.1 FM, WGRN, and WGRN.org worldwide. Listen to us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Andrew, I know that one of the biggest things, like I have a sister, I don't know how many times she done quit smoking, but it's a lot. And one of the biggest things that I hear that they deal with is the cravings and the withdrawals. What are some of the things that can help them with those cravings and withdrawals when they're trying to stop smoking cigarettes? Yeah, absolutely. That can be a very difficult um, road to navigate. Um, but some of the things that we um, might advise people is trying to replace those fixations with things like exercise, um, eating healthy, um, developing new habits, or maybe putting more time into an existing habit, um, healthy habits um, for themselves. Something that's taking them out of settings where they were used to using tobacco or nicotine products um, 
But a lot of that can be helped through things, like I said, exercise, eating healthy. Sometimes even therapy might help. Talking to individuals that have gone through it themselves, connecting um, with yourself and with other people that have shared that experience can be extremely helpful in easing some of those withdrawal symptoms. I want to go back to something, a question that Ernie had asked in regards to was there a smoking ban, you know, in the city of Columbus? When you do find someone, because I know there's smoking inside, there's, you know, they're not allowed to smoke inside. What about, like, if the restaurant has an area where you can sit in chairs and stuff like that? Are are they allowed to smoke when they're out, like, on the balcony or patio or whatever you want to call it, and it's outside, but yet it's still connected to the restaurant? Um. So, yeah, you know, it, it does get a little bit tricky there um, because we have the smoke-free Ohio laws, which you're not allowed to smoke really in any business, um, inside of a business, without any sort of variance, which I mentioned when answering Ernest's question. Um, But patios are a little bit of a different story, um, being open air. So right now, those are still um, up to the discretion of that business. If they have an open air area, um, a patio, or somebody somewhere they want to designate as a smoking area, they are allowed to do that. We highly recommend and suggest that they have a smoking policy um, that covers that. So in the event that anybody would say somebody is smoking inside, a business might be able to come back and say, well, no, they weren't. We have this law in place and they were smoking in our designated smoking area um, that was properly ventilated or open air away from other patrons. What You know, we have a lot of restaurants now that have those garage doors that go up, you know, so mm-hmm. that leaves it open with the inside of the bar and you have the outside of the bar. So what yep. about like with those garage doors? When that happens, what about how does the law impact regarding, you know, you got the smoke coming in now into the inside of the restaurant because they mm-hmm. have those, you know, patio doors open. What? How do you think that fits, sir? Now that that would be that's a little bit of a tougher one, um, and, and I can definitely see that um, from the angle of like that's not really outside of the business um, just because the garage door is open. But I would recommend to any business that does have something like that, they probably want to have something in place that says this is our designated smoking area, and it's got to be a certain amount of footage away from the door openings. So that that smoke is not coming into the facility. Um, we do that with a lot okay. of places that say that people can smoke mm, at X amount of feet from an entrance or an opening. If I wanted to report a smoking violation, who do I yep. call? Ghostbusters or smoke busters? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you call Ghostbusters. You call me. Um, yeah, we, have a, uh, <laughs> we have a line... Um, it's 311, I believe. It's just like dialing 911. You would submit your complaint to 311, and it would get filtered into our smoke-free team. That complaint would then get cycled through our tobacco prevention team and get to the right people. I don't personally go out on a lot of those complaints, but 
we do have people that respond to those and go check out the situation. To kind of piggyback on what Felice was saying on smoking, if I belong to like, I don't belong to a, a, a club, a private club, but if I was in a private club and we had like a clubhouse, is smoking ex- excluded from that or like if they have a private club? Yeah, so that, that does sound a little bit tricky there. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I should be quoted on it, but uh, I I think that the smoke-free Ohio law covers all indoor spaces, so technically, no, at a private club, you, you still should not be smoking indoors. When businesses or clubs are cited, what's the do you know how much the fines are and how many violations do they get before uh, – Put in jail. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, that, that is a good question. I, I'm not familiar with the fines that are uh, with indoor smoking. I'm really only familiar with the ones based on our underage uh, tobacco buys. But I would imagine it's probably like a series of fines. A lot of a lot of things with the city tend to be that way, like you might be able to get two or three different penalties before we're looking at revoking a license. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, and probably increasing of fines as well, like maybe a scale like a 500 and then a 1,000 and so on and so forth. Do they have to go to court when you guys find them? Do they go before a judge? Yeah, so typically it does not go as far as court. They do always have the opportunity to appeal um, an underage buy, and a lot of people do. Um, oh, and that pro- <clears throat> yeah, that really? process will be yeah, it's yeah, actually a lot more people than you would think appeal the fine. But basically, the process is coming to the health department and having a, an administrative hearing, um, which basically is sitting in front of the board of health. Um, it, it's almost like a courtroom at the health department <laughs> it's like uh, yeah it, it's a little bit lower stress on a courtroom but you basically display all the evidence um this that and the other and everybody says their part i don't think anybody who has appealed has uh succeeded in their appeal what is their defense of something like that the most common one that you know of i would say a lot of people say well I don't have cameras, so that didn't happen, or that couldn't have possibly happened. This, this person, this employee wasn't there. You hear all types of crazy stories when these people come in. They just really don't want to pay the price. <laughs> Sometimes it is wow. just pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, we have a very straightforward way of doing things to the point where it, it would be very hard for the health department to miss something and, and not um, not have the fine upheld. What are some of the diseases that smoking can cause? So smoking obviously causes a plethora of diseases. Um, there's opportunity for cancers of the lung and throat, um, lots of uh, respiratory illnesses such as COPD, um, chronic bronchitis. Um, it can create um, heart issues, problems with your vision, there are over 60 additive chemicals in the standard cigarette, um, probably even more than that, that just have a plethora of negative health effects. 
The mental health one was the one that I found really uh, interesting uh, due yeah. to uh, depression. It causes depression and anxiety. And I'm just wondering mm-hmm. how smoking cigarettes can increase the depression and the anxiety. Is it give, when smoking cigarettes, does it give you like a hype? Yeah, I think the addictive yeah. qualities of nicotine um, can contribute to anxiety, um, people needing to have that substance in their body. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up because behavioral health is something we're actually um, focused on partially in the grant, um, trying to look at passing smoke-free policies at behavioral health facilities. Um, and it's been stated that nearly 70% of cigarette users or 70% more um, cigarette users or tobacco users have some sort of depression or anxiety or different mental health disorder. Um, So the use, the prevalence of usage is much higher in people that do have anxiety and various other mental health uh, issues. How often do you guys visit like uh, schools and universities to uh, get the message out about smoking? Yeah, so um, recently this fall, we did a couple of sessions with Columbus South High School. We had a youth group there um, where we had met every other week um, for about two weeks there and just kind of taught about the negative effects, especially with vaping, since that's very popular amongst our youth. And then through community outreach um, events, we have great partners with Ohio State, um, Otterbein University, um, different um, different places of education that we will go do outreach um, events where we distribute resources. Um, sometimes we might be able to give presentations, but I, I would say regularly, at least um, probably once a month, we're at we're at some sort of school or university working with our youth directly. Um, sometimes even YMCA's as well. We just did an event recently where we went to a YMCA with a youth group, um, and we were able to kind of get them talking about vaping um, and different things, just kind of gauging their awareness and what they think on those topics. So, yeah, very regularly we get to work with our youth, which is a a really cool part of this job. Oh, that sounds good. I I was wondering about that. And the other question I had is, if if you know this, if you could – what are the what are what are some of the reasons people give for smoking? Why they smoke? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's various reasons, and I think it's really person to person. Um, one of the reasons is, is peer pressure. Um, that's absolutely oh, a big thing amongst youth. Yeah. Um, just seeing advertisements and seeing their friends use it, um, they think it looks cool. They think it might be the right thing to do. Um, and then you have other the other end of things. Some people might have turned to that from stress um, or maybe hereditary. Maybe maybe their family, everybody has smoked for, for years, and they just they fell into that habit as well. Um, so it's really on an individual basis, genetics, peer pressure, advertisements, tons of things can contribute to somebody picking up uh, tobacco or nicotine usage. Just just one final question here for yeah. secondhand smoke. Do you guys cover that also when you're you're out uh, with groups talking about smoking? Yeah, absolutely. We, that is something we cover earlier. I know we were discussing some policies with businesses and such. 
Um, and that's kind of the goal of those policies is to reduce secondhand smoke for individuals that might be visiting a business. We also work with housing complexes on smoke policies so that tenants that don't want to be exposed to smoke um, don't have to be in their homes. So yeah, we're distributing that information and also through our policy work, kind of targeting secondhand smoke and trying to lower those levels in the city of Columbus. To our listeners out there, if you have any questions or if you have family members which are struggling, please reach out to Andrew. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the best route of contact with us would be through me. Um, My phone number in the office is 614-645-6788, and you can ask for Andrew Mon. Um, And if I'm not available, my supervisor is Elizabeth Kirby, um, and we are both more than happy to help you guys get linked up with the proper resources you need, um, get you involved in some of these working groups, um, and just, you know, want to really hit home on we're here for you guys in in any capacity that we can be. Even if it's not tobacco-related, the health department has tons and tons of different programs that can give you the assistance you need. Andrew, I'd like to thank you for joining us tonight. With that being said, this is Felice, your host. Peace out. The Faith Thomas Foundation would like to thank you for listening to The Cell. We broadcast on WGRN 94.1 FM every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. You can also stream us live on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. on WGRN 94.1. For more information on the Faith Thomas Foundation, please visit our website, Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is FaithThomasFDN.